There was, there was just a lot of stuff in 2020. Although it was super successful and I'm proud of it, it was really hard. Whereas this year, the 2.2 billion felt so much better and easier than the 1.7 billion did. And across the industry, the story of 2020 was, you know, extended turn times, you know, staffing challenges in terms of hiring. And, and so we had some of those issues in 2020 as well. But like we were really focused on changing that in 2021 and just doing a much better job. And me and my team, our focus was not only doing the most amount of business in the industry, but delivering the best client experience possible to our end user clients that were looking to refinance their homes or buy new homes or our referral partners that trust us with their clients. And so we wanted to close loans faster than everybody out there, deliver great client communication and just really uh, step up in a tough, challenging market. And I'm really proud to say we did. Welcome back, Housing News listeners. This is Alcina Lloyd, and I'm the producer of this weekly podcast. You just heard a word from Guaranteed Rates' top-ranked loan officer, Sean Benozin. In today's episode, he explains how he topped his record-setting volume of $1.7 billion in 2020 by funding $2 billion in total origination volume for 2021. He also shares insights into next year's purchase market. Thank you for listening, and here's episode 8 of season 7 of the Housing News Podcast. Welcome everyone, this is Sarah Wheeler, Editor-in-Chief at Housing Wire with the latest episode of our Housing News Podcast. Today we have a guest who has been on several times before, Shant Venosian, a guaranteed rate loan officer who last year originated $1 billion and just reached the $2 billion mark for 2021 originations. It's a huge accomplishment and we wanted to have him on again to find out what he is doing to reach these kind of milestones. Shant, congratulations first and welcome back to Housing News. Yeah, thank you very much. I'm excited to be here. I appreciate the opportunity. And uh, thank you guys for always uh, including us. I really, really appreciate it. No, I mean, I, you know, our listeners are interested how how you get there. So, you know, let's start over the course of your career. You and your team have funded more than $7 billion in loans, which is just extraordinary. <laughs> so when you were setting goals for 2021, having already reached $1 billion in 2020, was $2 billion the target? Yes, it definitely was. Um, so last year we funded uh, we funded actually um, a, a billion seven. So we got to we, we had a really great year last year. Uh, however, the base environment with both purchases and refinances going strong, we 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 set a two billion dollar target. We're going to end the year at about two point two billion when it's all said and done. So we eclipsed last year's number by about five hundred million dollars. Um, you know, it was definitely um, a massive effort. I'm really proud of what we accomplished. It was a lot different in a lot of ways doing 1.7 billion this year and 2.2 billion. In a lot of ways, it, was, it, was more, it met my expectation more in terms of last year. Uh, last year was a little bit different. Um, so I think we really kind of learned a lot from last year and uh, really improved our execution this year, which is something I'm really, really proud of. Wow. So 1.7 total. I guess when we had you on, it was 1 billion by September. So you still had, you know, a, a good part of the year to, to get keep going. Yeah, we were cooking last year at the end of the year. Uh, we got into a clip of between 200 and 250 months every month. Uh, and we, we kept that momentum going pretty strong through the end of the last year and into the beginning of this year. Um, and it was just a really great, it was right as like the refi market really took off. We found our groove in terms of just like uh, how to attack both purchase market and refi market at the same time and do a good job of it. So 
yeah, we came on really strong towards the second. Yeah, you're right. We did our podcast and we hit a billion and that was like a big deal for us. And, and in general, it was big news across the industry. Uh, but we really had some success after that as well. And into this year, we hit a billion this year, actually. I think we got there before July 4th. Like we got there, like uh, in, I think June 1st or something like that is when we got to a billion this year. So we got to a billion really, really quickly this year. And, um, you know, the second and a half of the year has been really strong as well. Like I said, we're going to finish at about 2.2 billion. So the tale of the two years is last year, our goal last year was to do a billion dollars, maybe a little bit more than that. Cause the year prior we had done about 900, 900 million. So, um, the entire industry digitized overnight, our entire staff started working from home, dealing with the issues of the pandemic. There was issues with, with the investor market changing. There was, there was just a lot of stuff in 2020 and it, it was, although it was super successful and I'm proud of it, it was really hard. Um, whereas this year, two, two billion across the industry, the story of 2020 was, you know, extended turn times, you know, staffing challenges in terms of hiring. And, and so we had some of those issues in 2020 as well, but like we were really focused on changing that into new homes or uh, our referral partners that trust us with their clients. And so we wanted to close loans faster than everybody out there, deliver great client um, you know, communication and just really uh, step up in a tough, challenging market. And I'm really proud to say we did. Our service level scores have never been higher. We use something called net promoter score to ask our clients what they give us and whether they'd refer to us, which has been really cool. Well, I'm going to ask about those um, that execution here in a minute, but but first, can you describe your team to us? This uh, this group of people that you work with to achieve this? Yeah, they're really amazing, and I'm so lucky to be able to get to work with them every single day. So, um, you know, we're going to close about four thousand units. So it takes a lot of manpower, right? Uh, man, man and woman power, people power. So, uh, so, uh, so uh, you know, it's uh, something that you know. Right now, we have staff of over just just over fifty people, right? Um, and it is, uh, I have sales, uh, in terms of sales support, uh, operational support, uh, business development, marketing, admin support within that. We have a lot of specialists in terms of like condo review, um, et cetera. Uh, so, um, it's, it's really awesome. I mean, there's no way that one person could ever do a billion, two billion, even for that, for that matter, five or 600 million or 300 million. Like it's definitely a team effort. Uh, you know, I decided a long time ago that I'd much rather build a team. So many people on the loan officer side of this business make the mistake, in my opinion, of just treating this like a sales job. And I feel like it's so much more than that, right? Uh, it's, you have to have really great sales ability, which means you have to have product knowledge and all that kind of stuff. You have to have fulfillment from an operational standpoint, do a really great job once the loan's in process. You have to be able to brand yourself. Today, now, uh, you know, you have to be able to get your name out there, stay top of mind. So we do that many different ways. Social media, email marketing, uh, well, people's attention. And then, you know, uh, my business development team does an amazing job uh, working with referral partners, whether they're real estate agents, um, financial planners, you know, things that like, you know, just uh, really strong referral partners. The cool thing is we've now been licensed in all 50 states, right? So now we're doing business all across the country, um, as well as, you know, customer fulfillment, you know, client retention. Like we look at uh, the holistic approach of like actually treating ourselves like we're a business, 
Um, not just, I'm not just a salesperson. I like to view myself as a CEO and owner of a business within a big business in terms of guaranteed rate. But um, that's been the secret to our success is the team approach. Uh, I'm only one part of the team. Uh, I have a bunch of really smart people that collaborate with me and with our clients and with our pro partners to just, you know, um, do a really great job. And so that's how we've been able to grow so much. People ask me, what's the secret to your success? Well, it's the people on my team that help us do a great job and bring the ideas and help us execute our vision, help us implement our ideas, processes, and systems. And, and I actually am proud to say, in my opinion, we're more scalable now than we were last year or the year before. Uh, because of the you know amazing uh, teammates and, and wonderful people on my team. Well, that was one of my questions. Is like, is there an upper limit to what one person or 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 one team can can originate? I mean, do you see a ceiling at all, especially in a purchase market? Yeah, uh, I I don't see a ceiling. You uh, know, you know, and I mean that completely humbly. Like, I think you can do whatever you put your mind to, as long as you're willing to work on your business and not you know. And what I mean by that is, I actually think that. Our business as it changes is going to become more important to do lots of business, right? So, you know, we always talk about margin compression in our business and like, you know, all these and technology disruption, all that stuff. Well, that stuff's real, right? Like it's it's not just like a fantasy land. It's it's real. Technology is going to disrupt our business. It already has. Uh, and, and there's a lot of money invested in that continuing. And technology disrupts every business. Um and margin compression is real. So like ultimately that eats into like how much a company can make on a loan. So like how you make, how you fight off margin compression is by doing more volume. So even if you make less money per deal, uh, you know, the scalability definitely levels the playing field. So I personally think in the future, I don't know if that's five years or 10 years from now, that it's going to be really hard to be an originator that's doing, you know, 10 or $15 million uh, a year in business, or maybe even more than that. I think you're going to see many, many thousands of loan officers, not hundreds of loan officers doing $100 million a year in business. I also think that, and you're going to see way more people doing a billion dollars like we had and how other people have done and 2 billion and 3 billion. I think those numbers are going to be real as people scale up their businesses. Just like I think margin compression and technology disruption is real. I also think that there's a massive need for people that are brain makers that are business builders that can bring, make the phone ring. There's a reason why all these companies, even these technology companies that are trying to go consumer direct, spend gazillions of dollars a year on marketing, right? It's hard to make the phone ring. So there's a massive need. The need for a loan originator is not going to change. Um, that is going to, that is, but the function of it is, the importance of it is going to be all about making the phone ring. Um, and I also think that where technology is going to help us. And I personally believe that technology is not going to replace the loan originator. I think technology will make the experience better for a loan originator. I think technology will make experience better for a end user client and, and our partners and stuff. But I do think technology is going to replace the loan originators that don't utilize technology. Like I think it's not going to be an option to act like it's still 1998 and you're still trying to do a mortgage like they were done in 1998. I think it's going to be important to embrace technology and make it a part of your experience to shorten the turn times, to close loans faster, to deliver better service, and and essentially, like not not have the clients go through a difficult process, not wear down your staff, difficult process on the easy loans, so you can spend 
all your focus on the areas where it needs to be focused on those more difficult loans where somebody needs help. Like I, I believe that clients want to utilize technology until they need somebody, right? And so what I mean by that is like they, you know, and and it, it's not like a millennial thing. It's not like a you know, because think about it, we've been using technology for 25 years, right? Like, you know, my parents, you know, I have, I have parents, grandparents that are buying stuff on Amazon every single day, like everywhere in every parts of walks of life, like people are using, it's been embraced, right? It's, I have clients that are, you know, whatever age using our online application, uploading documents, like it's become normal. It's not like there's not this paradigm. Um, so I think, um, I think there's a lot um, that, we're going to be able to do. So long winded answer is I believe there's not a ceiling. I never thought in a million years I would do $2 billion in my career. When I first got started, like I was like, if I could ever do a billion dollars, like that'll be like an amazing career. The fact that we're doing, you know, we did uh three point, you know, almost $4 billion just in the last two years, right. When it's all said and done um, is, is us, you know, changing the way the business has been done and how to manufacture a loan and embrace technology and, and increase communication and also increase our net across the country. Somebody like me could never have done business in all 50 states, you know, 15 years ago. It wouldn't even have been worth it. Now it's a piece of cake and I'm doing business all across the country and it's been great. So stuff like that. I mean, it's a very long-winded answer, but I'm obviously pretty passionate about this stuff. Uh, so uh, there you go. Uh, we, we are not a time, on a time schedule here. We we have all the time in the world to find out, you know, how, how somebody does this kind of thing. So I, I really appreciate that. You know, when you look back and you think um, at one point you were not, you didn't have a team. It was just you, right? Like, so, so what were those early decisions about? I mean, because you talked about process operations, um, the rainmaker, the sales, the business development, like well, what were some of the first key hires in, in your opinion that really set you up for success or maybe some things that you're like, yeah, I should have done this, but I didn't. Yeah. I mean, I definitely made a ton of mistakes, right? Like, uh, you know, I, I really got cooking in my career in 2008 when like the whole world was collapsing in the mortgage world and the housing market. It was a really scary time. Uh, so I was probably a little bit like gun shy in terms of like hiring uh, people. And I was probably more conservative in terms of some things because I just didn't want to like take on overhead and, and like, um, you know, make, make a mistake or go out of business for that matter. Right. Um, so I'd say the biggest advice from the beginning was like really becoming a master of my craft, like really like understanding the business in terms of like being a very knowledgeable and resourceful for my partners. And like, frankly, being super accessible, like, you know, being accessible 24 seven. Now I know people will say, well, I want work-life balance. And I don't want to be available at nights and weekends. And like, I want all those things too, but I also really wanted to have a successful business that people could count on. And those early days were like super important for me to establish myself and my brand within the community that I was trying to do business in. So I became like a, like an effectively, I, I know the mortgage business, like an underwriter knows the mortgage business. I know my guidelines and, and my, and where I can do loans, what I can do and what I can't do. Um, so I think that's advice. Number one, advice two is like, you know, that accessibility and response time, you know, this is in the world we're in, people demand access and they demand information right away. And if you can't deliver that, can you have a business? Probably. Will you have a super successful business? Probably not. Like it just think about like everything that gets messages right away, right away, right away. People aren't going to wait around for you. They have access and options more than ever. Um, and the last part is hire a really great team. So I'd say, you know, key impactful hires I've made, you know, administrative support for myself uh, to be able to help me work on the things that I'm super talented at and, and fulfill me, um, you know, hiring 
uh, sales support for myself because there's only so many people that I can talk to in a given day. Having operational support that can take me out of my pipeline so I can really work on uh, business development. Uh, I can work on sales. I can work on uh, being a visionary for my team, working on working on the business as opposed to working in the business. Hiring uh, a talented uh, marketing staff that can get our, our name out there, hiring really talented business development. Uh, so that way, uh, you know, at some point, you know, one of the key hires I made was like, at some point I was, I became like, it just became overwhelming for me to be out of the office anymore. But the lifeblood of our business is our referral partners and our agents and our, uh, you know, realtors, all that stuff. And like, it's really important to be present and be there and, and find out what they need. And not only just business development, but like, um, uh, you know, client relations, like if that, you know, it's a combination of that. And so, uh, so all those things were very impactful hires at different times. Like we certainly didn't just like drop them all in. Like people always say to me, well, if I had the same size team you had, I'd do just as much business, right? I'd have success too. And I'm like, well, you know, I hope you do. And, and, but like, it's not that easy, right? Like, you know, we've made a ton of mistakes. I wish I had it all figured out, uh, five years ago and 10 years ago. And I wish my team of people just dropped down from the sky and like, we're like, all right, let's go. But, you know, it's taken a lot of hard work. You know, we've learned more from our mistakes than anything else. And now I think we finally, um, are trying to be forward thinking and proactive with our approach, but like, you know, the business throws, uh, you know, the business in the world throws crazy, you know, uh, things at you and you've got to pivot and shift and, and, you know, we're all human. So we got to react to it and take it all in and figure out what our move is. I wish it was like a game of playing chess or all the time where you knew exactly what you wanted to accomplish and how you're going to get there. But like, you know, sometimes unexpected things happen. Like I didn't forecast for a global pandemic in 2020. That wasn't part of my business plan. Right. Right. And um, so like, you know, you just try to react to it the best you can and hope that you're a good leader for the people around you in order to uh, help them get through this stuff and, and keep forward and keep winning. And here's a brief word from our sponsor. Radian Ready positions you to do business better. By easing the transition from title production to title curative, Radian Ready clears the way for quicker closings with less legwork. You can also expect accurate searches, seamless workflows, end-to-end service, and easy-to-understand title reports for your borrowers. If you're ready for a better take on title, you're ready for Radian Ready. Visit Radian.com Ready Title for more details. That's Radian.com slash Ready Title for details. What do you spend your uh, time during the day doing? So, you know, I can imagine that, you know, you're pulled in a bunch of different directions and you talk about, you know, having time to spend on your business, not just in your business. So, so how do you prioritize that on a, on a daily basis? Yeah. So, I mean, it's hard, right? Like, you know, cause I also got a wife and three kids that want to see me at home and, and I want to be present for them at home too. So it's like, you know, um, it's, it's, um, I try to spend, uh, I would say I spend probably 60% of my time, like in the business. And what I mean by that is like, you know, doing what every other, uh, you know, loan officer on the planet does pre-approvals, prospecting, uh, you know, talking to my referral partners, uh, you know, that kind of stuff, like, you know, uh, presenting loan options, all that kind of stuff. You know, there's just, I always get like, people are always surprised when they're like, well, you still talk to your clients. I'm like, yeah, how do you think we close 4,000 loans? Like, you know, uh, you know, it's like, they don't just, uh, I, I, you know, it's, and I enjoy that, frankly, like I really enjoy that part. Um, so that's 60% of my day. Uh, the other 40% of my day is in some type of meeting, uh, or, or training or, you know, 
or process improvement. Like I'm meeting with a key member of my team pretty much daily. Um, we're doing, are we either participating in some sort of training daily? Uh, you know, I work for, uh, you know, one of the top mortgage companies uh, in the world and, you know, they have a lot of trainings and, and uh, you know, information stuff that we're involved in. So we're just trying to constantly either, um, you know, make our team better or take information in or improve some sort of process or, uh, or system. So like, you know, um, I'd say it's 60% in the business, 40% um, on the business. And that's pretty consistent, like every single day, um, you know, and then, uh, and then, you know, I try to, you know, try to not work 24 seven. Like I, you know, I try to make at this point, I've tried to make it where, you know, I'm in the office by like eight, eight thirty typically. And I'm out of here by like, you know, I try to be out of the office by five thirty, six o'clock. Uh, you know, so certainly, um, and you know, I'm not going to pretend like there's like balance, right? Like we're always striving for more balance, like, you know, but uh, more balanced than I was a year ago and two years ago and way more balanced. Uh, put it this way, 2.2 billion was a lot easier for me than my first 50 million. Right. So like all the work, um, all the work is definitely paying off and like we get better every single year and, and it's improved for me. And, and that's a credit to the amazing people that uh, I've surrounded myself with in terms of like helping make that happen. Uh, and, and while at the same time, delivering a better client experience. Really interesting. You know, to me, it, it just describes like that in good to great, you know, where Jim Collins talks about the flywheel effect and building a great company, just that relentlessly pushing a giant heavy flywheel turn upon turn building momentum. But once it hits, once it spins, right, once it starts spinning, the momentum goes, that sounds like what you're talking about, um, yep. you know, just come to life. You know, when you look back over your, your key leaders, do you feel like you've learned, like there's, there's some particular things you know about somebody pretty quick that you're like, this is going to be a key leader or something you're looking for when you're, when you're going to look to hire those? Yeah. You know, those type of players, like, um, you know, it's, um, I think what, what, one of the things I've learned is like, for me specifically that I learned over the last four or five years was that, um, just understanding like what I really enjoy and what I'm good at and understanding uh, maybe what I enjoy that I'm like great at and really trying to spend my attention and focus there. Cause that keeps me fulfilled. That keeps me having fun. It makes time go by fast. And I've tried to hire people that, uh, have the skills, like maybe the opposite of me and are and stuff that I don't want to be doing, uh, anymore or in the future, or maybe don't serve the business the best, or maybe frankly, that I'm just not good at and trying to hire people that are great at those things that want to be doing those things, um, and are passionate about those things. And I think too many people in any business, not just in the mortgage world, try to hire like a clone of themselves. And that's like ultimately not really going to help the problems in your business. Like I, I don't need two of me. I need like people that are really good at my weaknesses and, and, and enjoy the things that I don't enjoy because then all of a sudden now you've got a well-rounded machine that can really deliver a really amazing experience because like they're fired up and, and great at the things that I lack. Uh, strengthen. And, and, and so now all of a sudden you become really powerful uh, to a client because like, there's not a part of the business that you don't have somebody that's like a subject matter expert and that's motivated and excited and energetic about every issue that comes their way and can really kind of uh, brainstorm, problem solve, um, and really just deliver. Um, so, so I think the key things in hiring team members is like, you know, I think it's important to have a business plan. Like, I think that like knowing where you want to go, 
knowing what you want to be in the market, knowing who you want to do business with, and then communicating very specifically to people that you bring onto your team, like what your vision is, what your plan is, how you plan on getting there. And then also like being super clear in terms of what their roles and responsibilities are and making sure you're hiring the right people in the right seats um, and making sure they, you know, we always talk about, do they get it? Do they want it? Do they have the capacity to do it? So when you're hiring, I think those things are super key. You know, hiring's tough. Building a team's tough. You know, um, you just try to do the best you can. And, uh, you know, in any business, right? Like, it's like, it's certainly we haven't figured it out perfectly. We're just trying to, um, and, and no, no way do we represent that we are. But like, you know, we're just trying to, we, we've learned a lot. Like, you know, we've, we've had some home runs and we've made some big mistakes. Um, but in general, as long as you win more than you lose, I think you're going to do an okay in most business. You know? Are you, are you guys um, centralized as far as your employees? Are you distributed? Like, what does it look like? Yeah. So, I mean, uh, I'd say probably just like much the rest of the world at this point, we're uh, all over the place. Right. So um, we once, and that was really helpful for us. You know, we really embrace the technology and like the change, like we kind of assumed right away that the world's changed forever. Uh, that's one of the things we never tried to fight that. Like when last year happened, like we went, we immediately zoomed everything, teams, everything, you know, and like, um, you know, just embrace the fact the world changed and we wanted to make sure we were communicating with our clients the way they wanted to be communicated with. Uh, and we didn't fight the whole in office, you know, at home type thing. We were just like, look, assume you're at home and assume your clients are at home. Assume nobody is ever going to want to come to the office anymore, but let's not water down the client experience and the message to our clients and how can we do, how can we show up for them? So, so uh, to answer your question, uh, I've got people in, I don't even know how many different states at this point. Uh, we have a small staff that comes into the office daily. Um, but I'd say at this point, uh, 75% of my staff is at home and that will probably remain that way probably forever at this point. Like, you know, I think it's more, in a lot of ways it's more effective and efficient. Um, you know, I think it's not for everybody, you know, so we leave the option that if people want to come into the office, they certainly can. I like to work from the office. I haven't worked at home one day during this whole thing, right? Like even when it was me and the only one in the building, like I was here, like for me, that's important to have like that, but everybody's different, you know? Well, uh, you also have three kids. So, you know, that, that probably factors into that. <laughs> I was just going to say that too. I have a nine-year-old, a six-year-old and a three-year-old. So, and, uh, and not really that much private space in my house. So like, um, wasn't really an option when uh, we were trying to uh, do some big numbers last year. You know, so so you talked about how it was easier to do 2.2 billion than it was you know, 50 million. So so when you were at that 50 million level, how did you make time? Like because you talked about you know you to to build any business, you have to have a plan and a goal and a strategy. How did you make time when it was just that kind of grinding and and less of a team thing to really strategize? Yeah, I mean, bottom line is it's going to sound really simple, but it was just a lot of discipline and commitment uh, and consistency, right? Like, and I know it sounds like super simple and you're like, that's it. Yeah. Like I just forced myself to, uh, like find time to work on my business, whether it was at night, uh, you know, frankly back then, like it was like at night, like when, uh, when it was a little bit quieter and like it was on the weekends, it was like, you know, just like any other business, like, you know, there's those years of grinding and, and like, you just kind of got to do it to make it. And so I, uh, it was really, really important to me. I, you know, one of the things I prided myself on, you know, now I feel like, you know, I've learned a lot over the course of the last like 10 or 15 years. Right. So like, I've got the benefit of experience and, and, um, which is huge back then I didn't have a lot of experience. So you make up for experience with like just super hard work. 
right? And like, I just, I, you know, back then I could honestly say I outworked everyone. Like my whole thing was like, I'm going to lack, I'm, I'm going to make up for my lack of experience or knowledge. Uh, and I'm going to even the playing field just by outworking my competition. And so like, I was like, look, I might not know as much as some of these people. I might not be as smart as some of these people, but like, I know I can outwork them. Like that's what I can control. So that's what I did back then. Um, you know, you know, I'm not interested in working as hard as I did uh, when I was, you know, 26 years old and just getting started. Right. Like that, but I put my dues in, but I still outwork. I'd say 99% of the people out there. I'm sure there's some people that are, uh, you know, out there that are shooting for us, which, you know, I get it, but like, uh, I have different responsibilities now, but I also have, you know, the experience and the hustle and like the brand and the reputation and, and just better systems and processes than I did back then. So, uh, I don't necessarily have to do what I did back then. Um, but that's kind of, you know, that's it. That's, I just made it happen. You know. Well, let's talk a little bit about specifically over the last year that, you know, you mentioned purchase and how you guys were, were pretty primed for that. What did that look like? I mean, what's your, what was your mix or what's been your mix over this year? And, and when did you really see that start to move and, and did that require a big pivot for you guys? So we've always been, we've always built our business purchase heavy, right? So we always have focused like, you know, you can never really count on a refinance business because you just can't control the rate environment, but you don't always know there's going to be a lot of purchase. So when it's all said and done, uh, we're going to, you know, like I said, we're going to do about $2.2 billion in volume this year. We're going to do about a billion dollars in purchase volume and about $1.2 billion in refi volume. That's going to be our split this year. So a little bit less than 50-50, right? Um, last year, we did about $800 million, I think, in purchase volume. So we, we still increased our purchase volume by about $200 million, right? Um, so how we did that is, you know, we increased our footprint to all around the country, you know, and, and the timing on that was really good because people are more mobile and relocating and working from home and remote work has really kind of allowed people to move to different places and people buying vacation homes, you know, people buying investment properties, you know, there's, there's a lot of money in our, uh, country right now, you know, there was pent up demand as people were stuck at home last year, saving cash income's gone up in a lot of certain environments. And there's this fear of inflation uh, that's happening. So like, you know, people are trying to put their money in investments that are going to, you know, rather than leaving in cash, I think you'll still see people buying investment properties in new markets and, and the second home thing is going to continue as well. Um, so, you know, I think that that was one of the key things that we did. Um, and I'm sorry, I got off track a little bit on the question. So where, where do we start off with the question? No, you're good. Um, you answered a question that I, that I have was basically like, how did you do it? So the geographical footprint yeah. is, is big. And then, the, and then the, really the, the focus on purchase. Yeah. So the other thing we saw, right. And this is where I was going with it, but I got sidetracked uh, with my uh, blabbering was, you know, the market became super intense last year and it, it's always been intense. Like, you know, everybody thinks their market's the hottest market. Right. But like, you know, uh, we've seen, you know, we do market, we do, we do business in, a lot of hot markets, you know, Boston primarily is like our home base. And we saw a huge uptick in bidding wars, you know, inventories, the lowest it's ever been. Right. And that's, I feel like we've been saying that for the last couple of years, but it just keeps getting lower and lower and lower uh, every single year. So low inventory, every, you know, home buyer out there, a potential home buyer out there, you know, decided they needed to move right away and what they wanted in a house changed in terms of having, you know, maybe more space for your home office or to be able to school your children last year or having more outdoor space. You know, a lot of, we saw a big push from the uh, urban markets, to the suburbs. 
Uh, we saw a push from some of the suburban markets to, you know, uh, outside suburbs. We saw second home purchases as people weren't able to travel more. They wanted to have kind of an escape. So, but everybody decided they wanted to buy. And, you know, when you see demand like that in bidding wars, you know, you have to do something to support these clients. And so what we also saw was an increase in cash buyers. One out of every five deals in the U.S. right now is a cash buyer, right? Um, and we saw people waiving mortgage contingencies, all that kind of stuff. So we're like, how can we separate ourselves from the competition? So we, we wanted to provide certainty and speed. Uh, and that's what we did. You know, we, we went out to the market and we said, hey, look, we will close a loan and however fast you need us to close a loan, you know, within reason and within compliance, right? Like you can't close a loan in two days, even if you wanted to, you know, if you deal with, you know, uh, trade guidelines and all that stuff. Uh, and then, you know, you have to get all the appraisals and, and all the stuff done and underwriting. But so we, we, we pre-underwrote, uh, we offered our pre-underwriting and pre-commitment program through uh, guaranteed rates right at our approval process, um, which provided sense of level of comfort for people that they've been underwritten already. We closed a lot of loans in seven days, 10 days, 14 days, you know, three weeks, like whatever it took um, in order, you know, again, within reason um, to, to make our clients be able to compete uh, and, and stand out amongst the competition in the market. So whether they were competing against the cash offer, whether they were competing against somebody that was waiving a financing contingency, you know, um, so we wanted to just add value to our partners and our clients, right? So speed and certain providing certainty was massively important. You know, uh, we have something we call a strategic offer consultation in which we really just like, you know, try to uh, advise everybody about like, here's everything we can do and here's how we can help you negotiate your offer. Uh, to put your best foot forward and stand out amongst all the different offers out there. And then, you know, it was really important for us to deliver because in our markets, we really had to be known for brand and execution. Like when I wanted somebody to see my pre-approval uh, that, hey, this this offers from, uh, this client's got an offer and their financing's from Sean, right? And his team, like uh, we know it's going to, we know what this stands for. So really just kind of doing all the little extra things, dotting all the I's, crossing all the T's and making sure we can deliver every single time. Makes sense, especially when you you talked about your referral networks uh, earlier, and I, I would think that that kind of reputation with your real estate partners, especially in in this environment, was was key because they you know they they want to go with your offer, they want to they want to have people come to you for financing if they know it's gonna the deal's gonna get done. Yep, hundred percent. Well, you know, homeowners have gained a lot of equity over the last two years, right? I mean, home prices are up, up, up. What opportunities does that create for your team? You know, the opportunities that it creates for my team uh, and, and creates for anybody, uh, both for consumers and for anybody in the mortgage business. I think, you know, I, I, I talked about this previously on a market update we did. Um, so we post obviously a lot of content to our social media and we're trying to keep our consumers um, educated uh, on what's going on in the market. One of the things we just talked about last week or two weeks ago at this point was that uh, the percent, you know, we what's gotten a lot of press over the course of the last couple of years or last year, home price appreciation, right? Everybody's talking about home price appreciation. Values are up uh, over 20%. By the way, we get a ton of information from Housing Wire. You know, you guys do a really amazing job putting super valuable content out there. So thank you. Uh, your your um, information that you guys put out, we're constantly reading the articles, utilizing them as, as a reference uh, for some of the information we get. So thank you guys for putting out oh, such relevant to topics and information. But everybody talked about home price appreciation. At 20%. What also was important was that uh, home equity increased by 29%. So the difference between home equity, obviously, is home price 
and the amount of debt on a house. So that actually even increased more. Um, so what I think that's going to happen is you're going to see consumers tap, and we're already seeing it happen. I, I guarantee you when the numbers are out for 2021, when like the year is finalized, cash out refinances hit the highest level in years, if not maybe ever, right? Uh, with at much stricter guidelines than they used to be in 2007, 2008. Back then you could borrow, you know, pretty much whatever you want, as long as you're alive and maybe in some cases not even alive, right? Like the guidelines have changed quite a bit, <laughs> but, uh, but uh, you know, so equities up. So what you're going to, what we're seeing, you know, we're going to see in 2022, is a lot of people utilizing their equity because they can tap into this increased equity in their homes. They're going to utilize and, and borrow money at super low rates. Even if rates tick up a little bit, which they're expected to do, it's still very cheap money, especially when you compare it to what's happening across the country with inflation and all that kind of stuff, right? So you're going to see clients utilize their equity for debt consolidation, paying off high interest rate credit card debt, paying off high interest student loans. Uh, you're going to see clients ec utilize equity for home improvements uh, like never before. Inventory is tight. Home prices are super high. They have nowhere to go. You know, So instead of buying a new house, they're going to stay in their house they bought years ago for a lower price and renovate their homes and make it modern. You know, try getting, you know, try, try calling a contractor right now and see how fast they can get out to your house. They're all booked out six, eight months a year. So you're going to see massive home improvement um, equity pulled out. You're seeing a lot of clients pull equity out of their homes to buy another home, whether it's a second home or an investment property. Um, so things like that are going to be the main reasons um, that you're going to see a massive increase and, and everything's gotten more expensive, right? So like, you know, there's 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 supply chain issues. There's demand. There's pent up demand. I talked about. So like, you know, the left to level the playing field. If your income can't keep up with, you know, the price of everything new, what is going to help you keep up is your house that has equity. And you know, sometimes people are like, well, are you advising me to, you know, are you guys advising people to use their home like an ATM? And that's certainly not what we're advising. You know, it, it's you know, you have to make a smart financial decision and treat your home like an asset that you have and how you should utilize it. It's, um, and, and, you know, we just try to give you your options and ultimately, you know, you should consult with, you know, professionals, your mortgage advisor, your financial advisor, your tax accountant, like, you know, all these people that you rely and trust on it. And then, you know, figure out what your goals are and see if utilizing your home equity is the right decision for you based on your budget. Uh, but certainly not like doing anything that's, um, you know, not a good financial decision. Uh, you know, so, or uh, irresponsible, you know? So interesting. I, I like the uh, point you made about home equity as opposed to, you know, just the, the, uh, what things cost and all that. And, you know, we're looking, we're, we're seeing housing tenure just get longer and longer for all those reasons, right? There's just not a lot of inventory. Where are you going to move? And so we're seeing people stay in their houses. 10 years, I think is, is, is the, uh, is the tenure now, which is, really long. I mean, I mean, that's not, it's not a good look for like how much inventory is going to be freed up anytime soon, you know? Oh, yeah, you're absolutely right. Well, let me ask you as uh, our, our last question. Thank you so much. You know, what are your goals for 2022? Where do you go from here? What, what is the big, what is the big goal for next year? Yeah. Um, you know, that's a great question. You know, I think the market's uh, shifting. And so our, our goal certainly is to, um, you know, um, just do more business, right? Like we want to continue to be an industry leader. Uh, we want to be, you know, we want to continue to improve the client experience, figure out a way to shave time off our closing process. You know, our goal is eventually to be able to do a loan. Like, you know, it, it's, it's too complicated to do a mortgage still. Like it's, it's a financial transaction that 
I saw something, and this is, you know, I talked about earlier how our average is like, you know, less than 30 days, but the industry average is still like 45 days, which is like completely unacceptable um, in order to like, it's the same as it was 20 years ago. Like, you know, uh, you know, it's like- It, it was 51 um, so, days. Last time I looked at the average was 51 days. Yeah, not, not good. So like, you know, our goal, like it shouldn't, you know, so we're going to keep learning about all the ways in which we can deliver a better client experience by shaving time off the closing process, how we can implement technology and educate uh, ourselves and our clients on how to utilize the technology and why it makes the client experience better for them. Um, you know, we certainly are, but our goals is, uh, you know, I want to do more business. You know, eventually, you know, we want to do 3 billion and 4 billion and 5 billion and figure out a way to do 10 billion. You know, like we have big goals and, you know, those sound like huge numbers, but so did a billion dollars when we did it a couple of years ago. Um, so, you know, uh, do more business, deliver a better client experience, have better work-life balance for our team, uh, you know, and, um, and you know, those are some of the big ones. Um, just constantly finding ways to just improve and get better. I mean, that's it. I know it's maybe like a boring answer, but that's just what it is. Not a boring answer and, and not boring results either. So um, thank you so much, Sean. Really appreciate you coming on again. Yeah, you got it. This is awesome. I really enjoyed it. Thanks for having me. Well, congratulations and best of luck next year. Hopefully we're having this conversation uh, this time next year. And uh, I can't wait to see what that looks like. Cool. Thank you so much. Partner with Rocket Pro TPO and get great tools to grow your business. Do more for your clients with the SOS Scenario Desk, a dedicated team ready to answer questions about loan products or guidelines before you submit a loan. Rocket Connect lets you problem solve or connects you to an expert team helping loans move faster. The tech, products, and resources you need now. Visit rocketprotpo.com to partner with us today. Equal housing lender licensed in all 50 states and MLS number 3030. Thank you for listening to the Housing News Podcast. Please don't forget to give us feedback and rate us on iTunes. Until our next episode, make sure to check out Housing Wire Daily, a podcast dedicated to the hottest news stories across HW Media. The podcast is published each day and is available on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and wherever else you get your podcast. Thanks for listening.